0: I'm recording this as we hit a milestone in the COVID pandemic, three full months under quarantine. And there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Stay-at-home orders are lifting this weekend here in Philadelphia, where I record this podcast, and throughout many states in our nation. You'd think that everyone's spirits would be lifting, wouldn't you? But here's the funny thing. When I was at work yesterday, virtually, as my office was still under stay-at-home orders, I asked a usually upbeat colleague how she was feeling. Her answer, quote, sort of numb, like I keep asking myself, what's the point? Another colleague answered this simple question with, quote, some days I'm good, other days really, really bad, like trying not to cry in meetings. A normally bubbly friend in Bangkok messaged me saying she felt upset and on the verge of tears for what she describes as, quote, no good reason. These responses to my simple question of how are you feeling today mirror my sense of malaise that seems to come and go. It's disorienting. I'll be walking the dog feeling just fine. Then I'll see some neighbors pass by, all wearing masks, keeping their distance, and a sense of sadness comes over me. It hits me that life will be very, very different from now on. And it doesn't help that this walk with my dog occurs right before Philadelphia's 8 p.m. curfew related to the protests against racial injustice. And I happen to be walking by a boarded up storefront where the windows were smashed during last week's demonstrations. Things seem so wrong and so out of control. I learned about an interesting, less talked about type of loss while I was training to work in hospice. And it turns out that it's something that we as a nation, we as a world, are suffering from. It's called ambiguous loss or ambiguous grief. And it's defined as feelings of stress, sorrow, and frustration that people feel at the loss of someone or something. In hospice, it usually relates to feeling loss at a loved one who hasn't passed yet but suffers from something like Alzheimer's, where family members feel loss because in a way their loved one's personality is slowly disappearing. It's a kind of sadness that's especially challenging because it's a reaction to something that's ambiguous, something less obvious or less tangible, like the loss of a person or a pet. So if we haven't lost a loved one or our job, we've, all, we've definitely lost structure, we've lost a way of life, of normalcy. We've lost just the small comfort of something like being able to go to a coffee shop and share a drink with a friend. And sure, we've joined virtual meetings, we're cleaning our houses, we're trying new exercise routines and recipes, we're educating our kids, we're checking on loved ones, but we've also had to cancel birthdays and graduations and vacations and wedding showers and one friend, a wedding. Some of us have canceled surgeries. Some of us are furloughed. Some of us have lost the ability to pay our rent. And many of us have lost all faith in government's ability to lead. And here's the thing about ambiguous loss. We've lost the feeling that we can predict what will come next. And we've lost that sense that we're in control of our futures. But we're human. You know we'll get through this, right? As I've described in other episodes, we humans always have a choice in how we come out on the other side of a challenge. We can choose whether we come out broken or we can choose to come out stronger. Today, there's no clear end to this pandemic, nor, no clear end to the grief from racial injustice. There's no closure. And because ambiguous loss can feel so complex, it requires a special type of attention to cope. So here's what I'd like to share. I'd like to share one strangely simple technique of paying attention that Buddhist tradition, as well as modern neuroscience tell us that we can employ in order to emerge from that tunnel that I mentioned earlier, stronger rather than broken. This is so strangely simple, in fact, that you might scoff. And go ahead, you can scoff but still give it a try and tell me what you think. And that's simply by giving your feeling a name. Going back in history, Buddhists believe that by simply naming an emotion, we can create distance between ourselves and that emotion. This simple act of naming a feeling creates what's called a sacred space to choose how we respond in the following seconds. Now, modern neuroscience supports this Buddhist belief. Research at UCLA shows that the mere verbal labeling of a negative emotion, such as calling something, like that feeling of that sad twinge in your stomach, calling it ambiguous loss, helps people recover control. fMRI brain scans show that the act of labeling an emotion appears to Decrease the activity in the brain's emotional center around the amygdala This dampening of the emotional brain allows the frontal lobe that reasoning that rational part of your brain to have more clout And maybe you can incorporate a bit of meditation into this naming process Perhaps a feeling of this ambiguous sadness will hit and instead of trying to brush it away you might make it a mini meditation Maybe take a deep, slow breath in, saying to yourself, my body is telling me I'm feeling sad. And maybe a deep, slow exhale, saying to yourself, I feel a sense of loss. And maybe a breath back in, asking yourself, how does this loss feel? And maybe a breath out, describing it as sadness or tightness or sorrow, or confusion. You could go on and on with this in and out breath, just thinking, describing, and naming. Regarding this process of describing a feeling that you're feeling, here's a bit of brain science that's just so cool that I wanna share it with you. Those studies that I mentioned at UCLA found that each time we name an emotion and describe how it feels to us, It begins to shift which area of our prefrontal cortex is engaging with that feeling. It moves our reaction from what is called our avoidance system to what is called our approaching system. Naming and then describing the feeling prevents us from stuffing the feelings back down, which is never a good thing, and instead primes us to be curious, to look at that emotion and maybe move into problem-solving mode If this helps with this strange sense of sadness that we're feeling, don't stop there. Describe this concept of ambiguous loss with a friend or a loved one when they sound like that they're struggling. This is especially helpful for those in our lives who might sound like they're confused as to why they're feeling down, or those more stoic friends who sound upset at themselves for feeling sad. These are typically the people who are used to being in control, these are the people like my upbeat colleague who told me she had no good reeling, no good feeling, uh, sorry, no good reason for feeling sad who can benefit most from learning about the concept of ambiguous loss. Dear friends and family, I choose to come out stronger because of this pandemic. I invite you to join me. I'll see you next time on Mindful Moments and I'll sign off with a classic I wish for your good health and fortune in the coming week. Sawadika.